Blog Talk Radio. everybody to another great episode of the Allen and Aaron. Well, this is the Allen Alford Sports Talk Show now. So welcome, everybody. Glad to have you on this beautiful Friday evening. It's June 16th, and we're doing another awesome show on the Allen Alford Sports Talk Radio Show. Definitely thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for joining our show tonight. If you'd like to be a, hear your voice on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, please feel free to give us a call at 516-418-5572. And we're going to go ahead and kick the show off in just a couple of moments. Definitely want to start off by giving our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. So definitely try all four flavors. They're amazing. Can't describe it. You got to taste it for yourself. Feel free to pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. Again, it's flbbqsauce.com, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Please call in and let us know which flavor you like the best. Classic, honey mustard, heat wave, fusion. Definitely try them all. And unfortunately, we do have to start the show on a somber note. We, we're paying tribute to the son of Hall of Famer Ray Lewis, great Ray Lewis. Unfortunately, this week, his son, Ray Lewis III, had passed away at the age of 28. We definitely send our sincere condolences and prayers to the Ray Lewis family, all friends. Definitely anybody who's been affected by this tragedy, our thoughts and prayers are with you. You know, here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, we definitely pay respect to anybody in the sports arena who has unfortunately passed along, and we honor them by giving them a moment of silence. So this moment of silence is for Ray Lewis III 
and Ray Lewis and his family here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. All right, and thank you for joining us. And we have an awesome caller on the line right now. We're going to bring him on. We're going to hear what's going on. Hey, how you doing so far today, Lou? Okay, Alan. Nice to show still show still with us. Oh yes, we are here. We don't miss a beat. Okay. Glad you're with us. Good. We missed you last week. I know I wasn't able to get I wasn't able to get on. I wasn't sure if you guys were on or not, but at least now everything is all squared away. Yes, everything is all squared away. I appreciate you bearing with us during the transition. And for those who don't know, I'll, I'll, I'm glad you brought that up, Lou. The Allen is no longer the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. It's the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Me and Aaron are still friends. We still talk. It was just a time where, you know, the show was growing. Aaron decided that it was time that he was time for him to go in another direction. And there's no no love loss. We're still great friends. The show continues. The show goes on. We didn't we didn't miss a beat. We had a show last week. In fact, we missed you. How you been? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't able to get I wasn't able to get there last week. Yeah, so that's all right. And a uh, lot lot going on. And I got to yeah. say, you were right. You you predicted it. You you called. You and Aaron Wright. You said that the NBA Finals was going to end in five games, maybe yep. six, but more more than likely five games. I predicted six. What are your thoughts on the the Denver Nuggets cleaning them out in five games? I'm not surprised at all. I mean, you know, I think I think Miami just ran out of gas. Denver was, you know, they were going to get some tough competition against, you know, the Nuggets and of course uh, Nikola Jokic, aka the Joker. Uh, he wasn't able to stop them. So Miami was, you know, just out of luck. They they were able to win, you know, one game, which of course uh, we thought was going to happen, but that was as close as they were going to get. Other than that, they had no chance. Yeah, I, I thought they put up a very good fight. I did predict them to win two games. I felt as if the last game, game five, they had a very good mm-hmm. shot to win, but Jimmy Butler just seemed like he was just very, very passive in the last few minutes of the game. He was just facilitating. Well, that, that never should that never should have been, you know, that, that foul never should have been called. And Butler got yeah. the call. That never, that never should have happened. Yeah, I you know I agree with you on that foul and, but I, I was a, a bit surprised that Jimmy Butler was so passive in the last few minutes. Yeah, I mean, role players are role players for a reason. Meaning, they're great to you know get some points from here or there, they help you out in the stretch in minutes, but they're not superstars. Down the stretch, yeah. you need your superstars to st- to step up. I was a I was severely disappointed because I felt as if I still didn't think the Heat were going to win the series. But I did feel as if that yeah. game, they had a good shot of at least extending the series to game six. I, I really did. And they came up short. Yeah, yeah. they did. But I expected that. Yeah, so definitely it was, it was a little bit surprising for me. But, uh, you know, you called it. You said five games. So did Aaron. You said both said five. I gave a little bit of a benefit of doubt and gave six. And... 
now uh, what's happening is <laughs> I see Michael Jordan is now he's selling the selling his part of the ownership of the team. What are your thoughts of him getting three billion dollars on the sale? You wonder the house house is a great player uh, when I can turn to be such a lousy owner. You know, I thought you know you know he knew how to win, so I thought maybe he would bring that over to Charlotte, which is of course you know a uh, mediocre franchise. I thought maybe he would try to find a way to bring a winning formula. I mean, you know, Pat Riley did it, of course, and uh, Phil Jackson did it, but Jordan didn't have any luck as an owner. Yeah, I agree with you, Lou. I, I was yeah. – I know he, he got paid. He got paid, and there is such a thing called inflation, and not knocking that, but I agree with you. I was a bit – I was quite a bit surprised that he'd poor of an owner as as he was. He definitely had the team for a long period of time. If he made it a yeah. priority to go ahead and, and be better, I feel as if if he made that a priority in his life, I feel as if he would have made the team a lot better. And Charlotte is an up-and-coming city. It really is. So if you really put a winning product on the field, I feel as if by now it would have really grown. You probably wouldn't be thinking about selling it now. No. So we still want to be like Mike? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, a little 90s, 90s, little 90s uh, relapse. Yeah, and I'm going to talk <laughs> about about more about ownership and things of that nature a bit later in the show. But I'm really excited yeah. to hear what you got cooking for your show this weekend. Uh, before we do, I just want to make one comment about uh, the suspension on John Moran. Look, he did oh, yes. suspension, but the suspension was too soft. I mean, really. I mean, if it was if it was me, he would get the, he would get the gas chamber first of all. Um, but, not, but I think realistically, he should have got at least fifty games. Twenty five is too short for a suspension, especially for a repeat offender. I mean, did he learn his lesson the last time he was over eight games? Apparently not. But you're only doing twenty five games. I mean, I think the suspension is is, is deservingly more than that. Yeah, I agree with you, Lou. I was a bit surprised that he got 25 games. I would say, and, you know, it is it is 25 games without pay, so he's going to lose from what has been reported up to $50 million. So it is definitely going to be a hit in his pocket. But I agree with you, Lou. You know, you're a repeat offender. The things that you put out there in social media, that's your platform. And you have to take – you have to use your platform as, yeah. hey – I have I cannot promote anything or do anything that will get me in harm's way. And even if it was, let's say it was a toy gun, he, you know, later his camp said it was a toy gun. Still, it's just foolish and immature, and it's not a good look on yourself. I, if I am John Morant, I'm like you. I, I'm real lucky that I didn't get 50 games instead of I only got 25 instead of 50 because it could have easily been 50 games. But I feel as if Adam if Silver was still with us, he would get fifty games. He definitely would have got fifty games. I think Adam Silver couple things. I feel as it if was. the fact that they said it was a fake gun, I felt as if he kind of went a little soft on him. They couldn't prove if it was a, a real gun or not. And I think they just kind of gave him not a pass, but they didn't go as hard because of the fact that they couldn't prove it was a real gun or not. I think that's why he, he got some leniency. But even uh-huh. if it is, it, it is it is a little on the light side. I I would be, 
you know, like you said, it's a repeat offense too. It's not like this is like you made a mistake, you weren't thinking, you did it once, and then you got caught. This is the second time you're doing it. It's you gotta you gotta really ask yourself why do you need this type of attention on social media? What, what is it? Yeah, what are you? I mean, why do you have to show a gun on social media that you're carrying? I mean, what's the point of it? I mean, you are an NBA player. People are going to understand that you're going to probably have at least security around you. You don't need to brandish a gun and show the whole world that. it's Even gun owners don't even do that, (laughs) you know? No, that's surprising. Yeah, so I I totally agree with you, Lou. I, I was surprised he got 25. When I seen that there was a money of about $50 million, I said, okay, he's going to, you know, that's how you hurt people in here in America. You, you hit their pocketbook and he definitely, he's going to get hit in the pocketbook. Not only that, he's lost some endorsements. So if this is not a wake up call, yeah, if this is not a wake up call that I don't get these guys, like you are gifted, you're blessed. You're in a position at 99 percent of the population wishes they were in you get the opportunity and you squander it yeah. and then and then when it's just gone then you realize how bad of a mistake you made but by then it's too late ja got two you you basically <laughs> had two chances and you still have a career turn the script around help your team out Stop all the nonsense and focus on your craft. Yeah. That social media stuff, well, I've seen a lot of people kill careers on it. Social sure. media can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. It depends on how you use it. Right. But, yeah, I mean, Thanks I'm sure you got – take it. Yeah. Well, it's also – okay, I'll, I'll run this down, you know, quickly as I possibly can. We have a lot of recapping to do tomorrow because we are going to recap the NHL and NBA Finals, uh, the French Open Finals, which happened on Sunday, the men's, that is. Uh, the Belmont Stakes, I said previous by accident, but it was the Belmont Stakes are going to wrap up. Of course, we'll also have uh, MLB um, Baseball, uh, WNBA will wrap up the last week of the regular season of the Euros of Thrall. And I'll also have some, of course, uh, WWE and um, – UFC, um, also of the feel-good story of the week, uh, the, ridi- uh, the ridiculous sign of the week, and there is a few, uh, sports trivia, um, this week in, his- in sports history, and it's also a very special show tomorrow. Um, I think you are well aware of it, though, Alan, but I'll take it anyway, because this week is a milestone. I celebrate 10 years in the world of podcasting. Congratulations. Yes. That deserves a round of applause. Yeah, that's awesome. On Father's Day weekend, too. Yeah. Back to my humble beginnings, you know, uh, back with Eric when we started. You know, it was me, uh, Eric, another guy, Rashawn, um, who might be on the show tomorrow as well, I hope. So, um, you know, it's you know, just a way of saying thanks for getting me through this, putting up with me, you know, being there when I thought maybe I shouldn't have. So, you know, this this means a lot, you know, 10 years. The actual anniversary is Monday, 
but I thought I'd just share in front of, you know, everybody on tomorrow. You know, but it is the same week, so, you know, give it a few days. But it's been a remarkable 10 years, and to take a line from the old song of the Grateful Dead of trucking, what a long, strange trip it's been. And has. I think I lost him. Alan? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, yes, that's fantastic. I was letting yeah. you. That That is just oh. wonderful that um you made it to 10 years. And that is an achievement that most people who are in your position don't get to. So that's something you should really, really take to heart. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So man. tomorrow is going to be a special show. I'm trying to get as many people as I can to call in, you know, to help guide me through this. My mentor, I think, is going to be on tomorrow. So that's going, going to be, you know, that's going to be a lot, too. Oh, that's fantastic. And definitely, you're doing big things. I'm going to be one of the callers that called in tomorrow between 4 and 6. Great. And I support you. And definitely, and it's for those who don't know, it's the Enhanced Sports Show. That's tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. And that's the Enhanced Sports Show on YouTube. You can catch it on YouTube as well as you can call in. You have both options, 512-543-4662. Again, it's 512-543-4662. Team 4 and 6 Eastern Standard Time Zone. Make sure you support Lou on the Enhanced Sports Show. Ten years, and it's going to be Father's Day weekend, too. Yes. Dad's and grads. It's uh, Dad's and grads tomorrow, too. That's right. Dad's and grads. That's a lot going it's on this weekend. Yeah. But remember, it's not 10 years of hosting this show. It's 10 years of my podcasting career, period. Yeah, that is impressive. So, so I, want to make, I want to make that abundantly clear. Because people are going to ask, like, uh, Louie, you want to be in this show for five. Right. This show, I don't do it for five. But I've been doing it longer than before, you know, I've been doing the Enhanced Sports Show. So, you know, my career goes back to when I, you know, did it locally. Yeah, so that's right. Ten years yeah. in the podcast broadcast business. That's right. And they uh, said never just... last. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I definitely hope you continue at least another ten years and beyond. Lord willing, yes. There you go. I'll be right there with you. I love it. I love that's it. Say right. oh. I say I, I, Aaron. Will do. I will do. And I appreciate you calling in and being a fantastic, yeah. fantastic guest. And it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. I hope to hear from you tomorrow. And remember, yep, guys, do. that's Eastern time. So if you're thinking of calling at 4 o'clock on the West Coast, forget it. You'll be too late. That's right. Eastern Standard Time Zone. EST, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Then Lou, the Enhanced okay. Sports Show. I'm going to be calling in, so you guys better call in, too. All right. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure, and always a pleasure, Lou. Thank okay. you so much. Good night. Good night. Have a great weekend. Yeah, that's great. That's Lou from the Enhanced Sports Show. Always a pleasure to hear from Lou. It's definitely a pleasure, and I missed him last week because, you know, he wasn't here last week, and I was worried with the transition of the show. Uh, you know, that was one thing that I wanted to make sure people understand that 
the show must go on. There's no hostility between me and Aaron. We're still friends. It was about as amicable as a departure as you can have. But I'm going to make sure that I continue to bring the Allen Alfred Sports Talk show all the way to the top. You know, as P. Diddy back in the day used to say, we won't stop because we can't stop. So we're going to keep on trucking along, giving you guys great content. And in fact, you know, I definitely going to talk more about some of the topics that Lou talked about in a little bit more details. But I did want to make sure that I did go ahead, thank some of the people that happened, the events that happened this week, last past weekend. And I definitely want to thank, first and foremost, Gigi's Playhouse right there in Tampa. And I want to thank them because I was the EMC for Casino Night. It was a great night. For those who are bringing awareness to Down syndrome, it was a fantastic night for everybody. You know, I was the EMC, but part of being the EMC is making sure everybody has fun, making sure everybody contributes, and also donate to a great cause. It almost drew just shy of $6,000 in fundraising. Thank you to all the supporters, all the attendees. Thank you to Gigi's Playhouse for giving me the opportunity. It was a magnificent event. Uh, if you follow the show, you probably saw a lot of the advertisement. So thank you, thank you, thank you, GD's Playhouse, Tampa. <laughs> Next, I wanted to thank Ebor Museum, for museum as well as the Tampa Baseball Museum at Al Lopez House, and also thank the Columbia Restaurant. We had a fantastic venue there. There was the 39th Annual Legacy Awards. They went ahead and honored Lou Pinella and Jill Wax. And what ended up happening at that event, what was really cool, was our great friend and somebody who we've interviewed here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show, Lou Pinella. It's now going to be called the Lou Pinella Award. It was a wonderful event. Got a chance to sit next to Dexter Jackson and his beautiful wife, Tina, got a chance to do that, and who accepted the award on Lou Pinella's behalf was his son. So that was an extraordinary event. I really want to thank the Ebor Museum of Tampa Bay. I also wanted to thank the Al Lopez House because they wanted to make sure that I was in attendance, and they made sure to call me, make sure I was there because they wanted me to go ahead and Help them with the event. Get the word out there. We are going to be editing the video. I'll put that out there too. And they did want me to go ahead and also interview Denard Span. Unfortunately, Denard Span could not be there. I did try to facilitate and see if we can make it happen where I can still give you guys that interview with Denard Span. But we will see. I'm working on that. But thank you so much for the 39th annual Legacy Awards right there in Ybor City. Yeah, that was a great event. There was great food too. Columbia Restaurant. That was wonderful. Just wanted to talk about those events. I also wanted to thank head coach Terrell Buckley 
who I was able to go ahead and interview today regarding the XFL and the rookie first round draft. I will talk to you more about that a bit later in the show, but I definitely want to thank head coach Terrell Buckley for, for answering our question on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk show. There's nobody on the planet that I've actually interviewed more than coach Terrell Buckley. So big props to coach Buckley. And on the 39th annual Legacy Awards, it was person, it was one person I, I did not mention. I don't want to miss anybody, and that was Anthony Tony Pizzo Award, who the recipient of that was Tom DeGeorge. So we had three recipients: Jill Wax, Tom DeGeorge, and Lou Pinella. So those are the, the winners of the Legacy Awards. It is now going to be called the Lou Pinella Award. So you guys have a chance to get that. You got to stay in tune with Ybor City and a lot more. Be in tune with the community. But I definitely wanted to go ahead and talk a bit more about the John Morant suspension. I just wanted to let you guys know that, yes, you are responsible for the content that you put out there. Social media matters. If you're... If you are sharing information as far as sharing somebody else's posts or putting up information yourself, that is your platform. You have to make sure that you're getting a great – people are receiving a great representation of who you truly are. Brandishing guns, going you know, Instagram Live when you're not in a, in a good spot or a spot that when you really think about you shouldn't be doing. If you're inebriated – Probably not a good time for you to go live, hit that live button. I know they make it easy for you to go live. That is one of the reasons why I'm very, very, I would say, hesitant to go live because it is live. Anything can happen. I don't do anything that I feel as if I have anything to hide. My life is an open book, but it is live and you there's no editing. So I am very, very cautious and very particular about when I do go live and it's usually just to introduce where I'm at and that's it you know because I just know that things can happen in life and hey there's no uh there's some things that I probably wish you didn't see if you go live but you got to take ownership of your your platform you got to take ownership of who you're hanging out with and who you're you're spending your time with you know that those things will come up to rear its ugly head, so to speak, put you in a good light and put you in a lot of trouble. And if you get, and if you learn a lesson once, take that lesson to heart. So those are the things that I wanted to mention to you, which leads into another thing that happened during the finals. That was a skit that happened with Conor McGregor and the Heat mascot. For those who don't know, Conor McGregor did a skit with the mascot, and I, I don't believe he was Conor was supposed to hit the mascot, maybe pretend he was going to hit him, but lo and behold, Conor did hit him twice, and the mascot ended up going to, to the hospital, and he got he got hurt, he recuperated and got out, but this was bad publicity on Conor, and then there was another incident that happened after that. I'll get into that in a moment, but. I put the fault on this on both Conor McGregor 
as well as the Heat. Okay? I put them on both because when you're doing skits like that, you got to be careful because somebody can get hurt. And obviously, I saw Connor, he had his, his drink in his hand. It seemed like he had a few already. Trying to play up to the crowd. And he did strike him. A couple of people did say, hey, how did you get hurt? You in a mask, you in a mascot suit. Believe me and you, I've gotten a couple of mascot suits in my life to help out, just to help out. And if you hit somebody, you can really hurt them. Not only that, you can't see that well in their mascot suit either. So it is not a suit that gives you protection. It's hot, can't really see well. So you, if somebody does try to hit you, you're going to have a very low percentage in really defending yourself properly. And yes, you can get hurt. This, I put the blame on whoever came up with this idea, and I put the blame on Conor McGregor for not thinking that you could hurt someone. You're a professional fighter, and yes, you're known for striking. You could hurt, hurt someone. That's why boxers and professional fighters, their hands are, are, from the law, weapons, because you're a professional. You do it for a living. Got to be smart on that. And the other incident that happened with Conor McGregor that's in TMZ, I will just say that it's not a good look. I'll just leave it as that. I won't go too deep into that. But those are the things with the finals. Props to the Denver Nuggets for doing their thing. The only other thing I wanted to make sure is to let people know is that I really like Jimmy Butler, but I do feel as if he and in this series, he unfortunately did prove somebody right. And who he proved right in this particular series was Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith claimed that Jimmy Butler's a star, but he's not a superstar. And unfortunately, I would have to agree with that statement. Jimmy Butler showed to me as a guy who was a star, not a superstar. And even though he's playing for the Heat, he is not on the same level as a D-Wade Dwayne Wade is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he, I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. He is the real deal. No question asked. And yes, Dwayne Wade had a superstar playing with him, but Dwayne Wade was a superstar himself too. You know, Dwayne Wade was special, especially during the playoffs. He stepped up, and that's the reason why he has three rings. So it could be done. I felt as if Jimmy Butler was way too passive in this series. He didn't, he didn't step up like he wanted to be the guy. Let me talk about that first and foremost. In any sport like basketball, football, baseball, hockey, yes, you are playing a team game. Yes, you are playing a game that you want to respect your peers. You want to get along with everybody. You want to know what they do well, what you do well, what they don't do well, and vice versa. You are playing a team game. However, when you go from one year to the next year or from one situation to the next, you don't all advance to the next grade. It's not like you're in elementary school where more than likely if you do your work, you're all going to go in most cases to the next class together. That's not how it works in team sports. Guys can get traded, get hurt. They go different ways. So, yes, you're playing together as a team on the field and yes you should be a good a great teammate but you are individuals playing together as a team so 
the notion that I'm a team player, I'm a team guy, so it doesn't matter to me if I get inducted to the Hall of Fame, that's, that doesn't – I agree with, with some of the criticism. That doesn't hold water because that is showing that you, your play is superior. It's, it's superior. It's not just that you're playing as a team, as a great teammate, but you, what you contribute to your team – to the basketball community is exemplary. It stands out. You're not just another guy. You're not just another team player. It's an honor to make it to the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Butler it comes across as a guy to me who's a, who seems like a real cool guy, but he does seem like a guy that plays up for the camera. What I mean by that, he, he usually says things to get attention and be cool and to kind of be a cool guy that he's really not meaning you know i tell this to my kids don't try to be cool don't act and be cool don't try to be somebody you're not just because you have an audience in front of you don't try to be cool and i feel as if jimmy butlin tries to be cool because the camera's rolling and he's got people's attention so he tries to say splash stuff so you get attention jimmy butler i would say on his play alone is a good player, and sometimes he can step up and be a great player. He has streaks where he can be great. But I do feel as if he still needs to work hard, and he still needs to continue to grind to be even considered in Hall of Fame. And when you make statements like, you don't care, you're not going to show up, those are things that can be come back to haunt you. Because I have a feeling that Jimmy Butler comes across to me as a guy that, let's say he has to hang up his career, and he's on the borderline of making it, and let's say he doesn't get it the first two or three years, or he gets it not the first year, but maybe the third or fourth year, he seems like the guy, the first guy that will start crying wolf because he didn't get inducted the first year. They didn't give that honor the first year. Lo and behold, you said many, many years ago, you didn't care. But he does come across the first guy that will complain if he's not on that ballot the first year, even if he doesn't show up, just to flex his ego. Just to say, I diss you, you didn't diss me. Jimmy Butler needs to grow up. You are playing a team game, but you got to understand that you are an individual playing within a team system. So what you do, what your teammates do matters, but what you do on the court and people feel as if it is extraordinary, that is something that you should be proud of. It's a it's a award that people say, hey, you're not just a, a good player. You are fantastic and a great player, one of the greats, and you should embrace that honor. So think about that before you start shrugging it off, because right now, the way you played in the playoffs, you were borderline. You weren't first ballot. You were borderline and tinkered. I would even have to say in this finals, you were less than borderline. But I would say overall – borderline you need to step it up look at Dwayne Wade and ask him how to do it so we're going to go ahead and switch gears a little bit we're going to talk some NFL news and we're going to talk about Stefan Diggs he reported to camp you know after he missed the first day he showed up today he's with the Bills it wasn't clear if everything is kind of good with him and Josh Allen 
I know Josh Allen is trying everything he can to appease Stefan Diggs. But let me make this crystal clear for you guys. Stefan Diggs is wrong in this. Okay? Stefan Diggs is wrong. The Bills have a very good team, but I don't feel as if they had an elite team. Like they were not one of the better, the best team, let's say, or one of the best teams that should have won the Super Bowl. They weren't as good as Kansas City. They were not as good as the Eagles. They were not as good as the Bengals, and hence the reason why they didn't advance. That's just a team thing. You were just not quite good enough. Now, what I don't like to see with wide receivers is their thought process is, oh, I'm a great catcher. I can catch the ball one hand. I can catch it where you throw it low. You throw it in a pass. I can catch everything. And that should mean if you keep feeding me the ball, we're going to win. Eh, wrong. That's not how it works, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, some guys will probably not cover you quite as hard, and they'll kind of let some stuff go during the regular season at, at some points. When it comes to the playoffs, not so much. Okay? They studied how the team has been playing, looking at the film of how they've been doing things week to week to week, and they come up with a great game plan. So you're Stefan Diggs. You bring a lot of attention to yourself. They're usually going to double cover you, or if they're not going to double cover you, they're going to put their number one defender on you. They're going to make it hard for Josh Allen to just throw the ball to you. You understand? And that's why you need other guys to make plays, because as they make plays and you start getting the ball down the field, then they may have to lighten up some of the coverage on you, and then they can throw some passes to you. It is very selfish and self self-serving and spoiled to think that, hey, just keep throwing me the ball and we're going to win. That's not how team football works. That is not how winning football works. You can't just force feed one guy and you expect you to win every single game. Even if you're great, even if Josh Allen is great, that's not how it works. Contribution from everybody. And let it be known that the team was not as good as the Bengals. I felt as if Stephon Diggs was making a big deal that, hey, you should have been trying to get the ball to me more. Well, everybody on the field knew that. Every, the defensive quarter knows that. Everybody in the fans know that they're trying to force you the ball. Wide receivers need to stop being so self-absorbed. And, it, and it's fool's gold to think that, hey, if they keep force-feeding me, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. That is incorrect. It's not going to happen like that, especially not in the playoffs. They might let you do that in the regular season, but they're not going to let you do that in the playoffs. It's just it's, it's not going to happen. The Bills were a very good team, but they're not, they were not as good as those teams I mentioned. They were not as good as the Bengals. They were not as good as the Chiefs, and they were not as good as the Eagles. I don't care how much you wanted Josh Allen to force – feed you the ball, it wasn't going to happen. So, Stephon Diggs needs to grow up, try to make peace with Josh Allen, stop coming across as if you're the bad guy because you are looking like you're the selfish wide receiver who's throwing 
you have temper tantrum because you're not getting force-fed the ball. Okay? Grow up. Understand it's a team game. One of the first rules that I will tell, I've told my own kids, rule number one with football, it is a team game. It is a team game. Meaning, you can't just have one guy catching all the passes. You can't just keep handing the ball off to the run, running back. You just can't. You want to win, you got to get your teammates involved. Everybody has an assignment. And speaking of that, as one of the three teams that I felt was better than the Bills, the Chiefs, they got their championship rings this week. So round of applause to the Chiefs getting their championship ring. Yeah, it's a beautiful ring. You know, it has a cover and it kind of snaps off. I, I, the only part I would question is it seems as if that part that snaps on the cover didn't look like it clicked in that hard. I mean, it seemed like you could lose the top of it pretty easily. That's the only kind of FYI I would say, but it was a beautiful ring. Well-deserved by the Chiefs. Great, great celebration too what a, and it's a great honor i mean they they were the best team in the league i feel as if the team that not only was the best team in the league but played the best down the stretch won the super bowl and you know patrick mahomes has two we'll see if his health and and his desire continues but i see a lot more rings in the future for the chiefs they got a lot of great things going on and you know, definitely, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see when you are the best team, the most talented team, and you actually do go and cash it in. I felt as if the Chiefs had gotten a break in a way when the Bengals didn't beat them and they knocked off the Bengals. I felt as if, if anybody was going to beat the Chiefs, that was the opportunity. And when they, they didn't come into fruition, it didn't surprise me that the Chiefs won. Congratulations to the Chiefs getting your ring. And we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the XFL and the Orlando Guardians. So I'm going to go ahead and kick this off by playing the Orlando Guardians song by Sam Scola. Orlando Guardians, Fire 
Yes, thank you, Sam Scola, for the Orlando Guardian song. We're still working hard to see if we can get that song in the stadium. So definitely props to Sam Scola and Mary there in Maine. They do our great songs. We tremendously appreciate Sam Scola and Mary, Mary Scola, here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. So we'll talk about the Orlando Guardians. Definitely wanted to thank, first and foremost, Terrell Buckley, coach, head coach Terrell Buckley, for answering our questions on right here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. It was really cool to catch up with the coach. Last time I saw him, he was getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, the Cotton Ball Hall of Fame. So now it was more back to our normal thing where <laughs> he answers our questions, and he did a fantastic job. The, today was the first-round draft pick, rookie first-round draft pick. The Orlando Guardians selected 10 players. And the interesting thing about the 10 players that were chosen, we have Jeremy Cooper, the offensive line from Cincinnati, and it's Kosi Eldridge, linebacker of Texas Tech. If I did mispronounce your name, I apologize. Terry Hampton, defensive line from Arkansas. Katie Hill, defensive line, Mississippi. Jarrett Horse, offensive line, Michigan State. Darius Joyner, defensive back, Duke. Jaquez Jones, linebacker for Kentucky. Brock Martin, defensive line, Oklahoma State. And last but not least, we have LaQuinton. LaQuinston Sharp, offensive line, Mississippi State. So congratulations to all the 10 picks for the Orlando Guardians rookie draft pick. You know, it was very interesting, this press conference when I spoke to Coach Buckley, is that he did not confirm. He, I know he let it slip, but he did not confirm throughout this time who the actual number one pick was. He, you know, just to let you guys see when you see the interview, it sounded like it was Jarrett Horse, the offensive line for Michigan State, but then he recanted and said, "No, we selected the tentative as a group." So he did not commit. He did not confirm. I would just say which player was the number one pick. He said they were 10 players. We looked at them as all as number one picks. In this press conference, another member of the media got annoyed and irritated. You'll have to see the interview to see what I'm talking about, that he did not commit to a number one pick. That was a bit different. You know, I had thought, based on a list, Jeremy Cooper was the number one pick, but they said it was just in alphabetical order. He was not in their eyes, number one pick. They were all number one picks. They're all important. It's a league of opportunity. The interesting thing also I found about this is not only did they not want to commit to who was first, and it's not like we were going to forget the other players, but that was interesting. The other part that was also interesting was that after the season ended, Quentin Dormady, the quarterback, got an NFL invite. The running back, one of the two, Devin Darrington, got an NFL invite. So you have the quarterback, the running back, and two of the wide receivers, one on the left and one on the right, 
got invites and that the the quarterback I'm sorry the wide receivers was Jordan Thomas and also Charleston Rambo big Rambo so I was a bit surprised in the fact that they he did not take besides you know the linebackers and he took a lot of guys who were played a line he did not take any wide receiver quarterback or running back which kind of surprised kind of surprised me i thought he was going to try to fill one of those voids but he did say that his priority was winning the line of scrimmage and it shows in his in his picks that that was the case he got a lot of beef got a you know couple of linebackers so it's going to be interesting to see what happens you know throughout the year from the Orlando guardians i will just say that I'm happy that Coach Buckley felt as if, you know, he did say at the end of the season, he felt pressured to pick a couple of people that he really wouldn't have chose first or second or wherever, or at least high up in the list. But he felt kind of like peer pressure from his, his counterparts come to that. And he did pick some people he felt as if he didn't really want to go that route. This year, he felt more free and comfortable to choose the people that he felt the team needed. So definitely I'm hoping the, the Orlando Guardians do a lot better this year. When I say a lot better, I don't mean just going for one win to two wins. I hope they can go ahead and stretch it. And, and that was a question I did ask too, was the fact that the Orlando Renegades, congratulations to them for winning the, the XFL championship. But the Orlando Renegades basically did what I felt and what the coach even admitted he felt the Orlando Guardians could have done. They could have won the last four games. They won one of the four, and then they lost the next game. But if they would have kind of cleaned house and won four games straight, they won one. They would have, if they would have won three more games, they would have been in the playoffs, and then they could have won the next game and won the championship. It didn't happen that way. All the Renegades did exactly who had the exact same record. Well, I wouldn't say they had the exact same record, but they basically did what the Atlanta Guardians' goal was, was to win out, squeak into the playoffs, and which they did, and they won it all. So we'll see what happens, and definitely I, I really hope that the Guardians do definitely do a lot better. There's now going to be a 90-man roster instead of 70 so you'll have more players to choose from but props to the xfl there was over 108 there's 108 from what i had last count of players that from the xfl to get a tryout in the nfl and some of them have signed contracts some are still in the works but props to all the 108 people that got an invite Pops 108 guys who got the invite. But, yeah, that's just the, what, what the League of Opportunity is. And one opportunity, unfortunately, that came to an end was Rod Woodson, the head coach of the Vegas Vipers, unfortunately is no longer going to be part of the XFL. It sounded like this was kind of like a mutual thing where they both wanted to kind of shake hands and go 
in different directions. Kind of like Rod Woodson wanted to go a different direction, and it sounds like the XFL want to go a different direction. So they mutually parted ways. So props to head coach Rod Woodson for at least giving it a go, giving it a try, and wish him all the best in his future endeavors. Which I wanted to talk to you guys about what it takes to be a great head coach. Okay. That is a difficult question, but let me try to break it down for you. I will say being a great player does not automatically give you a seal of approval that you're going to be a great head coach. I'll repeat that just because you're a great player, maybe even a hall of fame talent and beyond doesn't mean that you're going to become a great head coach. They're two different types of skill sets. One, you're managing yourself. You are responsible for what you do, both on and off the field. You're responsible for making connections and doing great interviews, but it's all about you managing yourself and taking advantage of opportunities. When you're going to be a great head coach, you actually have to do the inverse. You have to take a step back and let other people get the shine. Let other people kind of do their thing. You have to kind of be a a supervisor from a step back and kind of like be a father, be a, a mentor, be a developer, an educator. You have to have all of these skill sets to be a great head coach. You also have to also allow people to do their thing. You have to have a great staff and you have to let them do their part and you do your part. But it's really taking a step back and being a facilitator more than it is for you being the front man. So a head coach, a great head coach also has to learn from mistakes. A head coach has to be flexible a great head coach also has to understand what works well and what doesn't. You also have to understand your players, what motivates them, what demotivates them. What, how should you talk to someone, approach someone might be different from, it is going to be different from person to person on the team. You have to be a counselor. There's a lot that goes into being a head coach, a great head coach. It is more of a servitory role than a role where you're kind of like being the head of the household type of thing. You you have to kind of, you're in a servitor role, meaning you're serving other people more than you're serving yourself. And that's what it takes to be a great head coach. You have to also draft well. You have to, number one, have great staff. You have to know that the people that you are selecting or hiring are the best at what they do. They're the very best at what they do. You trust them, and that will yield results, and you have to motivate them in the right ways. So it is a lot that goes into being a head coach and different skill set. I'll give you an example, a life example. I was a top-performing salesperson for many, many years. Throughout that tenure, they had presented me an opportunity to be a supervisor, and I politely turned it down because I love what I was doing at the time. 
and I have no regrets. I love what I was doing at the time, but also I felt as if I excel in being a, a great salesperson, but now if I'm a supervisor, I would have to now take a step back, and now I have to be responsible for other people doing their job well. It is a different skill set. Not that I couldn't do it well, but I felt as if I wasn't mentally at that point yet. And you're not managing yourself. You're managing other people. You have to understand that. I mean, you are managing yourself, but more importantly, you're managing people who you have selected and appointed to do your position. And that goes into part of being an owner in a league. What does it take to be a great owner? Well, I give props to Michael Jordan. You know, he did make a great investment in his way. He bought a team, $275 million. Now he's getting a $370 billion return on investment. Now, granted, there's inflation. There's different years when you, you know, just like when you buy a property, depending on where you buy it versus where you sell it. In most cases, if you buy it at a pretty good price, you sell it to no greatness of your own just because of the way things go, inflation goes up. But yes, I, I agree with the criticism. People have been chiming in saying that Michael Jordan was a horrible owner. I would say I would have to agree with that. You know, it goes part of what I was saying about being a great head coach. You have to be a great facilitator. You, you're you more in a servitory role. You have to, when you buy a league, it's not just making the investment of getting the team and say, oh, I'm an owner. I'm an owner. I just bought this team. Yeah, that's great, but that's just where the work starts. After you purchase the league, there's expenses. There's now promoting the league. There's advancing the league. That's being a great owner. And usually when you're an owner, you can't just be in a press box all the time. You can't be hidden all the time. And I felt as if Michael Jordan did that all the time. You have to be the face. You have to be the guy that people say, hey, yes, I'm the owner, but I'm just one of you guys. I'm coming down to shake your hand. I'm coming down to shake some of the ticket holders, say, do interviews with the press. You have to be the front person. You have to be the person who's in front of the camera. You have to be the guy, or fe- male or female, male or female, you have to be the face. You have to be the person that says, yes, that person owns that team. He's the owner. You ask him a question. He's just like anybody else on the team. He'll answer them. You have to be down to earth. You have to be a people person. It takes all those skills to be a great owner because, you know, you don't want to be just a name on the side of the building because if you're just the name on the side of the building, People will treat the business as just the name of the side of a building. They won't take it as seriously. They're like, eh, this guy just wants to make a financial investment. He doesn't really care about me or you. He doesn't care about advancement. And it would be hard for you to advance the team and the league. And that's what happened to Charlotte Hornets. I mean, that's what happened with Charlotte. Charlotte is actually in that time period that Michael Jordan has owned the league, owned the team, Charlotte has really grew. And had he taken more of a role of being a great owner, 
he probably wouldn't be selling the, the team now because it wouldn't be worth three billion. It might be worth ten or fifteen or twenty billion. So yes, he made a good investment. He got back money, but that doesn't make you a great owner. In case of point, you know, you have A B. You know, I did want to bring this up that I've gotten requests to cover other leagues, arena football and USFL. I'll talk about the arena football first and foremost. You know, Antonio Brown bought one of the teams, and when you deal with clowns, you get clown behavior. You know, the team has won championships. They were going to try to make a run and repeat it. Team has won one game, and now they've been kicked out because Antonio Brown didn't pay the league fees. You know, this is show you a, a sense of entitlement, and it shows you clown behavior. You know, this is what you get. You know, this is this is one of the reasons why I don't cover arena football for those who are listening and wondering why. Not the players. I think a lot of the players are fantastic. Same with the USFL. I think they're fantastic. And I'm actually I'm I'm a guy who reports when I say pro player is that I am always looking out for the best interest for the players. You know, more so not in a bad way, I got something against management, but I'm always in partnership with a player who wants to get an opportunity to advance. And there are some outstanding talent in arena football. In fact, there are some guys who played in arena football that are on the XFL. There are some guys who played in arena football who played it in the NFL. The players I have no issue with. But when you have clown ownership who make a mockery of the league, make a mockery, want to just get attention, it's embarrassing, and it's unprofessional behavior. I've worked in corporate America for over 20 years. I have been there, done that. I am not going back in time and dealing with unprofessional clown behavior. I've seen it all before. I'm not going back. Meaning, if you, if I have to cover your league, you better be professional. You better act like a professional. Because if not, I am not covering it. Not saying I got anything against the players. I think the, again, the players are great. But if you own a team, you don't make payments, team gets kicked out. That is just immature, clownish behavior. So you want to be a great owner. Understand you're in a servitory role. You are serving the people that that are working for you. It's not you. You're the front and the face, but you always are putting the people that you're working with. First, they come first. Their happiness comes first. You are down the list. Even though you bought the team, even though you're making the investment, you are not the person. Yes, you might, you're supposed to do interviews and be a great ambassador for your team and the league, but you have to hire great people and make sure they're happy all the time. And when you buy a league or, or a team, that's just the beginning. There's other expenses that come along. You don't just, it's not just I buy it and that's the end of it. No, there's maintenance. There's a lot of expenditures. And if you're not prepared to take a hit financially for a period of time, anywhere between three to five years, and then the league starts to make, your team starts to make money, it's just like any business. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to grow the business. How you grow the business is doing the right things by your employees, 
do the right thing by your your team and the league, and fans will come. It'll start to grow. You have to be a big ambassador in the community. You have to put your your feet and your hands in the sand. That's how you become a great owner. And you have to understand that just buying it is just not all of it. There's expenditures as it go along. Case in point, the Arlington Renegades, they're the champions. You have to buy a championship trophy. You have to have a championship trophy presentation. <laughs> you have to have rigs. These are expenses. Uniforms, advertising, just saying I'm an owner is not that's just okay, you're an owner. There's a lot more that goes into it. So we're gonna go ahead and discuss boxing next. That's gonna be come up. We're gonna do a little boxing, take a little break, and then we're gonna talk about boxing. We're just getting started here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. Feel free to chime in. 516-418-5572. 516-418-5572. We're going to play a sports theme song by Sam Scola. Great songwriter. And if you're interested in signing Sam Scola, reach out to me. We'll get you connected. But here's a sports theme by Sam Scola. him with that great tune and we're going to switch gears now and talk a lot about boxing there was a lot of boxing news that have happened over the last week and let me first by start talking about Tiafimo Lopez versus the Josh Taylor fight you know I got to give Tiafimo Lopez a lot of credit I got to give him a lot of credit I picked 
Taylor to win the fight because of the height, the reach. But boy, was I mistaken. I usually am not wrong in picking fights, but this is a rarity. I was wrong. Tiafimo Lopez was special that night. He really was. He, he had his counterpunching. He had swag. It was one of his best performances I've ever seen. And you got to tip your hat because he did a phenomenal job and he deservedly got the win. One of those scorecards was, again, too close for comfort. They had it 115 to 113, which was not the case. Tiafimo Lopez really won the majority of rounds. It shouldn't have been that close, but he did get a, a majority win. One of the judges, again, that's what happens with boxing all the time. Always got a controversy, but he did pull it out the win. It was it was definitely convincing. And the surprising thing about this fight was not only did Tiafimo Lopez did so well and dominated the fight, but he made an announcement that he is retiring. The only thing that will make him come out of retirement would be a payday of $100 million. I really think Tiafimo Lopez did a great job, and it's great for him to have gotten the belts back. I know he's been through a lot personally, and for him to kind of go through the rigmarole, he lost his belts, had a lot of personal issues. It's no secret. For him to come back and win the belts was amazing. Now, the part about retiring, I don't know if I, I agree with that. First and foremost, you're 25 years young. You know, you still have a lot in the tank. You could now rattle off some wins and defend the titles, which is obviously not what he's going to do, but you could get good paydays. You know, you could command more. I don't think you could command $100 million. I mean, that is just ludicrous for a payday like that. I mean, the only person who's gotten paydays of $100 million was Floyd Mayweather. We all know he owns a promotion company. He's been doing it for a lot longer. And he knows how to promote the heck out of fights. I mean, whether you love Floyd Mayweather or not, he is the best promoter and best salesperson as far as boxing and business person that we've ever seen. That's just, he's an outlier. But a $100 million fight is not going to happen. I just, you know, let me just be realistic in this. You know, Tiafimo Lopez is not that big of a draw. I mean, the reason being is because, you know, it's just too many ups and downs throughout your career. And, you know, it's it's shaky ground. So when you don't have a plateau where it's just ascending, you're going to – your paydays are going to suffer. And it's just hard to get those type of figures in boxing. You know, Conor McGregor got it, but that's because he's promoting with – Floyd Mayweather. I mean, that's that's a rarity. And if this was just a ploy to get $100 million, I, you know what? You better off just staying retired because it's just, I, I mean, I hate to be negative in that regard, but $100 million, it's just, it's, that's just unreasonable request. I'll just put it like that. That's being nice. If it is his last fight, which it, it does seem as if that way because he's put in an application to vacate the belt, so it is leading and trending towards that direction. You know what? I can't get mad of a person who decides to just hang it up. Boxing is a brutal sport, and it's better you get out too early than get out too late. 
At the end of the day, people really, your entertainment. And like Floyd says, people don't really care about you. And unfortunately, that's the case in boxing. You know, people act like they care. In a lot of cases, there is some close people that do care to you, but a lot of the fans, they, they just unfortunately don't. And that's the brutal part about boxing. So if you're content with that decision, there's nothing wrong with you retiring early, getting out too soon and too too late. And speaking of who I was bringing up, we had Mayweather versus Gotti the third. For those who don't know, it ended off in a stoppage, and the stoppage ended up going to a massive brawl, which led to a John Gotti suspension. And I would just say that first and foremost, I would say Kenny Bayless is indeed too much and way too far in Mayweather's pocket. What I mean by that is this is Mayweather's personal referee. They have great rapport. But if you're fighting Mayweather, and it's an exhibition at this point, you're not going to get a fair shake at it from a judgment court, from a judgment stamp, because Kenny Bayless is, you know, he's, he's on the payroll. You know, literally, he's on the payroll of Floyd's payroll. I mean, payroll, he may not be paying him, but you're not going to get a fair fight. You know, he's going to go to his boy because Mayweather hooks him up with all his fights. So you're not going to get a fair shake at it. It's just a fact. And, he, you know, you're talking too much junk. You got warned, and they called the fight, and now you want to start huffing and puffing and start throwing some punches. It, the whole thing seemed to me like it was for show. It didn't seem like it was real. It, it felt as if this was just to get a show. It was all for showboating, just a WWE style. And I'll say this much, okay? Yes, a part of me does not hate on somebody who makes money like Floyd. He does these exhibitions, gets paid 10 to 15 million. But to me, it is really, yes, you're getting paid to do these exhibitions. I get it. It's easy money, as you would call it. But it is taking, a, I would say, what's costing you, though, is credibility. And also, it's it's just not a good look. It doesn't, this whole thing was WWE style. It's not giving boxing a good name. It really doesn't. It makes boxing look as if you're wrestling. It, it kind of diminishes guys who are actual professional boxers. Because it's like, okay, you're not really a professional what you do. You're just a professional actor. And that's what WWE is. Guys who, you know, I, I respect that you can get hurt and all that. But, you know, wrestling is, is, is not a secret. It's not real. It's for show. And this whole exhibition came across to me like a show. So, you know, Floyd always wonders why people don't call him the, the GOAT is because, number one, you fought the guys that was going to get you the biggest bang for your buck. Not so much who was the best or the stiffest competitor, who was going to sell the best, and who I was going to take the least amount of risk with throughout my pro career. Now, there was a few fights where you did have to risk it. I'll give you credit in that. But overall, it was money first, legacy, as far as fighting a top competitor second or third. It was more about the money. 
and you've done a fantastic job with the money. You definitely you've earned that right of Floyd Money Mayweather, but this is really it's costing you as far as your image in boxing is what I'm saying. It's it's not not a good look. It's not a good look at all. And yes, you're getting paid. I felt as if you should have done two or three exhibitions. That should have been the end of it. You did the the of uh, the McGregor. Maybe do two after that. I thought Logan Paul was the last one, but I'm still here. And another thing is this. I don't feel as if John Gotti is going to get – Floyd probably gets $15 million, but I don't even think Floyd uh, – Gotti got five grand. I mean, I, I just I just think it's not good for boxing, and it makes it into a mockery. That's my thought on it. Too many exhibitions, too much WWE stuff. It's just – it's bad. It's a bad look. And yes, I think it was scripted. The guy jumps in the ring. And then he tells, he starts leading back and the guy behind him, hey, hold me back. I mean, how embarrassing is that? You jump into the ring, act like you're going to start swinging, but then you lead back to the guy behind you so he can pretend like he's holding you back. Like, give me a break. Stuff was for show. And it's just, it's just embarrassing. That's why I look at it. It's just, it's just embarrassing. So who's to blame for the chaos? Both of them. Both Mayweather and Gotti the third. Mayweather for continuing the charade of exhibitions. You said you don't need the money. Why you keep doing them? It's not even, it's just a mockery of the sport. And that's my thoughts. And then we have the Spence versus Crawford fight. I assure you that is a, going to be a professional fight. They they went ahead and started the press conference. They faced off for the first time. And what have we learned so far in the first round of press conferences? Well, I still think Terrence Crawford is going to win the fight. I, I'm hearing from Terrence Crawford. However, there was something I didn't really love what I heard from him. He did the initial press conference very, very good, but then he did do another press conference at a another show and a podcast off campus from the press conference. And I didn't like what he said. He said that he insinuated, now of course he could change his mind, but he insinuated that he's going to stand in there and brawl or see if he could out brawl Errol Spence, you know, bang with him. And I think that's a mistake. I think that's a catastrophic mistake. I am going to quote one of the lines in one of my books. It's not about emotions. It's not about, it's not about egos or emotions. It's about winning. Egos or emotions, it's about winning. The boxer that comes into this fight, Spence versus Crawford, who has the mindset of winning the fight, not ego, not emotion, that's going to be the person who wins. The person who comes in there with their mindset is, hey, I'm going to try to outsmart this guy and outbox him and do what I need to do to win the fight. Not so much getting your your ego or your bravado get caught up and say, I'm going to try to bang with the guy and brawl with him because 
I don't feel as if Crawford can win a fight against Errol Spence banging with him. I'll just link that clear. I do not think Crawford, Terrence Crawford, will win this fight if he intends to brawl or bang with with Errol Spence. I just don't. I think if anything, it plays to Errol Spence's strength. He'll be able to throw more body punches. He'll be able to kind of, you know, get his offense off. He is the naturally the bigger, stronger guy. And I just feel as if it's a recipe for a disaster for Terrence. Where I think Terrence, why I predicted him to win this fight, is because he is, I feel, the more superior skill set and boxer. I feel as if his technical skills in boxing are better than Spence. Not world's better, but they are better. The fact that Terrence Spence, Terrence Spence can go ahead and do softball, orthodox, he is a very fast puncher, he's got a lot of ring IQ, those are the skill sets that he needs to use to beat Errol Spence. You gotta have play this by mind games. You gotta whoever comes in there more intelligent, executes more intelligently, will win this fight. The person who tries to make this a brawl, who just wants to just wail away, is gonna is gonna lose this fight. And if anything, they're gonna get probably get knocked out or knocked down at least. You have to put your emotions aside and come in there ready to fight, and more importantly, come in there ready to box, because the more technical the smarter and more intelligent boxer is going to win this fight. And I feel as if Terrence Crawford has that, but if he is like he said in his fight that he almost got knocked down in, he came in there just trying to brawl instead of box and he almost got clipped for it. Well, I rest assured you try to do that with Errol Spence. That is the wrong game plan. Use your skills, use your boxing skills, use your speed, use what those special gifts that you have to win this fight because that's why I give Terrence Crawford the edge because of the fact that I feel like you could prepare better for an Errol Spence if you're a trainer or a boxer than you can prepare for Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford can do so many things in the ring that most guys can't and make so many adjustments that it's going to be hard for you to kind of come up with a great game plan because like Floyd, you might have A or B or C. Let's say you have three very good, well-designed game plans. Well, Terrence Crawford has many levels past C of what he can do to hurt you. And it just makes it tough on a fighter to win. That's what it does. He's just he's just special. Terrence Crawford is special. And have, if he was anything less than special, I would have given Errol Spence a nod. But I like what I'm seeing from Terrence Crawford, less what he said in that one interview. I, I, my question is, what is going on Errol Spence? Are you, do you have to wear those glasses now? I kind of question a little bit, like, what's going on? He came out at a press conference walking out of the car like an old man, and I don't know if he's just doing this for show or I don't know what's going on. But he came out, glasses, looking like he was – some people said in it, Steve Urkel – and he had the glasses. I would have asked, hey, are you wearing glasses now because that's for look? Or is that because it's because of your eyesight? Like, what's going on? And you coming out of the, the van as if you're an old man? Like, you coming out like you're a 70-year-old man. I mean, 
I don't get it. But I don't know if it's for show. Right now, I still got Crawford winning. But if Crawford is is really sticking to banging, I will switch over to Errol Spence. But for right now, I got Crawford winning. And it hasn't changed yet. It's going to be a phenomenal fight. I put in my request here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show to cover the fight. I feel like we're going to get blessed and get that opportunity. This is going to be a mega fight. I don't think it's going to be a blah, blah fight. I, I do think at some point somebody's going to have to throw some leather. Somebody's going to have to be assertive in a smart way because the reason why Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas was because he fought a fighter that was not just bigger than him, but he fought a very intelligent, smart fight, and that was Buster Douglas. He used his jab, his right hook to his advantage. He didn't just go in there and wail away. He used his boxing skills. That's who also beat Mike Tyson was Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield was just a pure technician, a better boxer than Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson had crazy skills. He was a he was a very good boxer, but the actual technical attribute, you know, the technical attribute of, of boxing, Evander was definitely better than Mike. And I felt in that fight against Buster Douglas, Buster Douglas fought fought very smart but it's going to be a great great fight between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence I can't wait to see how this plays itself out it's going to be exciting and we also have Sinisa Estrada who's coming back she's going to have a fight coming up as well so it's I hope that more than anything that the Spence and Crawford fight it motivates other boxers to take calculated risk. You know, as you know, Bruce Arian said, no risk it, no biscuit. Sometimes in life you gotta risk things. You know, you don't take reckless risk, but sometimes you gotta take risk. Sometimes you gotta fight the number one guy to see if number one, if you are a true truly number one. And sometimes you gotta see if you're not number one. Is is the guy slightly better than me? Is he much better? And maybe you, hey, just have a rematch clause in there, just like Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. Yeah, this is about time that some of the best fought the best in boxing. That's what they used to do back in the days. Let's get back to that. Once you get up to 25, 30 wins, it's time for you to fight some of the elite fighters at that point. You know, it's it's time for you to step up. And I hope that this fight sets a trend. And we'll see that more and more frequently in boxing where the best are fighting the best. I feel as if it's it's moving that direction. I feel as if Devin Haney started it, you know, when he went to Australia. And I feel as if it's continuing. You got to fight the best, man. You want to be legend, you got to fight the best. And finally, we get a chance to see the best versus the best. I will definitely keep you guys up to date on things that happen in the boxing world there. And boxing news and I definitely appreciate you guys all of your comments on social media definitely a, a lot of love appreciate all your listeners supporters 
people who follow the show, guests, athletes. Thank you for hanging with us here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. You know, with uh, changes brings great opportunities. This show is going to be fantastic, like it's always been, and even more so, and really take off. There's some things that we're still working on in the works here. A lot of great things are coming here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. If you haven't done so already, please save this number, 516-418-5572-516-418-5572. That is a number you can feel free to chime in anytime during our show. I did also want to invite you guys to follow us on YouTube. That's Allen, that's A-L-A-N, Alford, A-L-F-O-R-D. Alan Alford, you just type that in the search bar, YouTube, hit subscribe, and you can, there you go. You can follow us on Alan Alford Sports Talk Show, Alan Alford Sports Talk Show here on Facebook, and you can just type my name in most places on social media, Alan Alford, on Twitter and Instagram to find me, and really appreciate you guys on all fronts on social media. Has been ex- definitely ecstatic. So we're gonna have some great guests coming on the show in the near future. I also wanted to go ahead and thank our fantastic sponsor, wonderful Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. That's Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Try all four flavors. And the great thing about this is that they're all natural ingredients made right here in Florida. So you can get a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. Show some Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, get get a four-pack. And in fact, we're going to play Chef G's song. We're going to do that. We're going to play it right now here. Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, a natural flavor. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs. Tasty fusion on pork and sausage. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. All 
right. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. And definitely get your four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. flbbqsauce.com. Thank you, Sam Scola, for another great song. Really appreciate Sam Scola and Mary all the way from Maine. And, yes, if you definitely want to sign them, you should pick them up. Great songwriters. Let us know here at Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. We'll make the connection for you. But I definitely want to thank all of the listeners, all of your fans, all your support. want to thank our great caller, Lou, for calling in. Always a pleasure to hear from Lou. And definitely always a pleasure from hearing from you guys. Really appreciate you all. Definitely have a blessed week. And have a fantastic Father's Day weekend. Definitely want to give all the fathers props. Definitely want to do that. Treat your dad out. Treat your papa out. Treat your father out for a great weekend. Pick up something there for him that you think he'll love. Take him out to dinner. Take him out to lunch. Spoil him because fathers are important. And me as an all-pro dad team captain, I will tell you, Keep hanging in there, dads. Keep doing great jobs. Definitely our prayers and condolences, again, go out to Ray Lewis and his family. No uh, no father should ever have to deal with losing their son. But uh, on that note, we want to wish everybody a happy, fantastic weekend. Great Father's Day to all you great dads. And thank you again. We'll be back again next Friday. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for joining us. Have a great evening. Take care for now. Show.